one of the big deficits that we experience as adults in this culture is connection with ourselves. And for secure functioning folks, there's a fluid capacity to connect with others and receive others' presence and energy while maintaining connection with ourselves. And I think that what we're talking about here in these injuries and these attachment styles is various forms of disconnection from the self in the encounter with the partner or the other. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome to episode 35 of The Art of We. This is part two of attachment styles. So in the last episode, episode 34, we got into talking about what the different attachment styles are. And, and Will is really good at explaining these and understanding them a lot more than I am. So I appreciate you, Will, with all the knowledge you have about this. And what I can say is that the conversation about attachment styles have been a big part of our conversation because of how forwarding it can be when we really identify our attachment styles and then we start to work on achieving and earning secure attachment with one another. It feels like there's so much more possibility that can open up for us as a couple and as individuals. So in the last episode, we described the different types of attachment styles and we went a little bit more into the island or avoidant attachment style. This episode, we're gonna go a little bit more into the wave attachment style or ambivalent attachment style. And so if you didn't hear the first one, go ahead and listen to that. And this is the, is it sequel or prequel? Sequel. <laughs> this is a sequel to that Unless episode. it's Star Wars and then maybe it's a prequel, but <laughs> attachment style wars. <laughs> yeah, well, that happens. Attachment style wars for sure. <laughs> so maybe you start off, Will, by just doing like a super short headline about what the wave attachment style is. Yeah. So again, I'll, I'll rely on Stan Tatkin's wonderful pithy statement of the wave from his book, Wired for Love, which we have in the show notes for you. It's the statement, if only you loved me the way I love you. So awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've said that before in different circumstances in my life. Mm. It, it sounds almost kind of victim-y though. Is that, is that true or is it really coming from like a a real need and desire to be loved in the same way as somebody else? Or tell me more about that statement and the wave attachment style. It is somewhat victim-y in the sense that it's placing the responsibility on the other pretty much entirely, right? For having the experience of being loved properly or correctly mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. whatnot. And it also doesn't give the partner any directions for how to love us more accurately or more the way we want to be loved. 
And then it also has a sort of competitive quality to it of, I love you better than you love me. And that doesn't feel great to anybody who receives right. that message. And like you, I, I can relate. I've, I've said that or felt that oof, so much in my life and mm -hmm. in, in the past. I haven't felt that way with you very often at all. But in the past, in previous relationships, absolutely, I've been in that role. It's very painful. Mm -hmm. And you feel kind of helpless and hopeless in that state. So let's talk about the core injury of the wave. I think that would be helpful as a jumping off point. Sounds great. So in our last episode, we were talking about the core injury of the island, which leads to a conclusion in the very, very young person that soothing oneself is safer and more effective than relying on a caregiver to be soothed, which is a pretty devastating conclusion to draw as an infant or as a young, very, very young person. And this comes from big errors or mistakes that are usually made with good intentions by the caregiver. It's pretty rare for negative intentions to be played out on an infant. It can happen, but it's not the norm. Right. Usually parents are well-intentioned, but they just carry too much of their own wounding to be effective as parents. So in contrast for the wave, there's a couple of things that are very different. For the infant who develops a wave pattern, they tend to be, first of all, rewarded by the caregiver for being dependent. And so it's kind of like if you think about training a puppy and you're training that puppy to always be freaked out if you're not around. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, this is very alive for us, current involvement. <laughs> yep. We're trying hard not to have that pattern established in our sweetheart of a puppy <laughs> at the moment. But being rewarded for being dependent is one common theme in the early years of someone who becomes a wave. Another one is intermittent reward. So the caregiver who sometimes is accurate and very effective in soothing the infant, sometimes is completely and totally off the mark, whether under-responding or over-responding. Mm -hmm. And so there's a kind of addictive, it's like a casino for the infant. Sometimes they get a huge reward from the slot machine, but very often they don't. So they don't know what they're going to get. Don't know what they're going to get. And this creates obviously a lot of anxiety in the infant. And, but it also creates an expectation and a kind of vigilance toward the partner that the island usually doesn't display in the same way anyway. It seems like the wave in this situation would be the one who's like thinking to themselves, are we okay? Are we okay? Are we okay? Like a hypervigilant tracking of, are you okay? Are we okay? Definitely. So I definitely have, I definitely have that in me also, and it shows up, I think sometimes when we have been apart for a while, like physically separated, and we come back together and we're in this transition of who are you now? And I think that there's a part of me that can get like, <laughs> I don't know, like, do you still love me? Are we still, you know, are we still good? Is there anything that we need to attend to? What do you need? That kind of thing. It's really tender coming back together after a long absence or break or even just a work day. Yeah. It's humbling to look at that. But I think in part it's because I, I deeply care so much about the relationship that we have. 
but I wonder the impact on you when I'm operating from a wavy attachment style, especially like this example, like there might be not the kind of impact that I'm wanting to have. Mm -hmm. And this goes both ways because we both have elements of wave and island in us. Since you asked when you come with, are we okay? Are we okay? Are we okay? What gets activated in me is a, a defense system that carries this more island story of like, I can't fix that. There's no way that I can solve that problem or help you get into... Feel okay. Yeah, feel okay. Mm -hmm. And by the way, for those of you who are listening, I don't actually come and say, are we okay? Are we okay? It's more no. like it shows up as I'm asking a lot of questions. Right. And really wanting to get your world, so to speak. But there's also an agenda to that, which is like, are we okay? Right. So the islandy part of me picks up on the the subtext or the the theme in the curiosity. There's two aspects of it, right? The curiosity mm -hmm. is genuine and loving and coming from an open place. And there sometimes are these more anxious elements in the questions. And this is just as true for, for me as it is for you. So this is not about making you wrong or saying I'm, <laughs> you know, I've got my together and you don't. <laughs> when I detect worry or anxiety or some quality of, are we okay? When I feel like we are okay, then it activates this island quality of myself mm -hmm. where I sort of pull back, I kind of withdraw. The part of me that would tend to do that falls into hopelessness that, that I could ever help you come out of that distress. Right. Yeah, and so I have sense. to really work with myself to show up for that moment and take care of my partner, my lover, and that's in that moment. And I am still very much in a learning process of how to do that more effectively. Right. I think the next step for us there is when I am coming with that more agendaed questioning, which isn't actually true curiosity, is to for us to name or identify what's actually happening from an attachment style perspective. I think that would be a great place to start. I agree. Yeah. 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 So it'd be like a checking in of like, okay, so like whether it's me checking in or you checking in, be like, where are these questions coming from? And do I feel secure right now mm -hmm. or do I not? And holding those questions together. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Why don't we take a quick break and when we come back, we can tell everybody what you do from a wavy perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance. And now back to the episode. Okay, welcome back. Now is the time where we get to ask Will how his wave shows up in our relationship. So Will, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
What would you say happens on your side of the Wii in terms of the wavy attachment style? Uh, two kind of intense expressions of that. The first one happens when I'm in the room with you and I perceive that you're in some kind of distress and maybe you're a little withdrawn or you're a little irritable or something. And my attachment system gets activated. I get concerned. And rather than mustering open curiosity in that moment, which is really hard to do when I'm feeling distressed, right? Right. Super hard to not come with an agenda when you're distressed. So I do what you were just talking about. I come with an agenda Mm. or even judgment, right? Like, why are you stressed out? Like, what's, what's the problem? Like, you've been in with the puppy all day? What's the yeah, big exactly. deal? <laughs> Crying baby. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think you can tell, we were just talking about this the other day in our therapy session, that you can tell when I come with an agenda, right? Right. There's a like a barometer inside of my being that feels like I can tell when there, there's a barometer inside of my being that starts to go off when I feel like the questioning isn't from a pure place of curiosity. There is a something behind it. And then I get a little bit, I get a little defended because I don't know what's happening and, and what's wanted. Yeah, it makes sense. And so the, the error or the mistake that I commonly make is going into some kind of problem solving mode or maybe in the worst case, or hopefully worst case, trying to convince you that there's no reason for you to be stressed out right now. Using logic to try to argue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's so humbling. So let's talk about the other maybe way that I express the wave. Okay. In the previous episode, we were talking about how islands really enjoy solitude and feel maybe most relaxed when there's no one around so they don't have to be thinking about or dealing with other people's energy. So... Mm -hmm. When I'm alone, and this is even more true in this relationship with you than it's ever been in the past, I get pretty disoriented and I don't even really know what to do. So I don't have (laughs) the joy of solitude that I think you have. And I used to enjoy that more, I think. And I think I can reclaim that with practice, but I'll be honest, I, I don't think I'm doing a great job with that right now in my life, you know, mm-hmm. where you have a night out with the ladies or some event that you're at. And I don't even, I just get kind of disorganized and get lost in scrolling or the New York Times or. <laughs> I come home and I come home from the night and it's almost like your eyeballs are going two different ways and your hair is like standing up and the house is like a mess. And it's like, are you okay? (laughs) Yeah. Somewhat dissociated. I think it leads to another really important question here, which is, so these are imprints from how we dealt with being soothed or not as a child. And so you and I are committed to working with our patterns so that we can go more towards secure functioning. But how do we actually, besides like, hey, yeah, I'll call it out in the kitchen when I notice myself coming with an agenda questioning, how do we actually really work these deep patterns inside of ourselves besides some sort of like commitment to do something different next time? Such a great question. 
it seems like to me that one of the big deficits that we experience as adults in this culture is connection with ourselves. And we talked about this very briefly in the previous episode that for secure functioning folks, there's a fluid capacity to connect with others and receive others' presence and energy while maintaining connection with ourselves. And I think that what we're talking about here in these injuries and these attachment styles is various forms of disconnection from the self Mm -hmm. in the encounter with the partner or the other. Right. And I would say for me, my journey of understanding what self-connection even is has been very windy and long. Like when I was 20, I was like, oh, I'm totally connected to myself. You know, and then as I become more self-aware, there are pockets of totally not being connected to myself in the way that I would define it now at my age. Yeah. I mean, when we're younger, most of us are pushing off and pushing away from our family of origin. We're developing some autonomy and independence and it feels great. And that's an important part of development. And then the reality starts to set in when we start dating and we start to see how we act in relationship showing up in these patterns that we're talking about. Yeah. And then our understanding or even relationship with what self-connection itself means could be very different. Like I think that the definition of self-connection could be vastly different for different people too. Like for one person, it might be, I know what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. For another person, it might be, I can understand the complex landscape within my being that is multi-layered and has paradoxes and and to actually feel self-connected might change over different states, stages and seasons of our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, you said at 20, you know, life is not true for every person, but life tends, seems more simple before we have maybe a partner or, you know, a spouse or a career or children or a lot of responsibilities and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the challenge to stay connected with ourselves gets more complicated as our lives are more complicated. Mm-hmm. Right. And in self-connection, you might understand in the moment of one of your wavy attachment moments, you might have a better understanding of what's actually happening versus just going along with what you think is happening. Is that what you mean by self-connection? Is that we have a greater self-awareness in those moments and that's partially the key to working with these attachment styles? That's a good question. What is meant by self-connection? I'm so glad you asked that question because it's really important what we mean by that. For some people, self-connection might mean defending our ego tooth and nail, you know, our small self-connection. But what I'm talking about here is a bigger, more transcendent self that includes our personal self and also the awareness of the context of our lives, you know, and each other and the world that we live in and not being stuck in this positionality of like, this is me over here and that's you over there. So maybe it's better to say staying in contact with a bigger perspective mm. or not not getting lost in a contracted automatic, unconscious, wounded, younger point of view. I love that. The writer and therapist Dick Schwartz, who brought forward internal family systems, calls this the capital S self-energy, self-energy. 
mm-hmm. staying in contact with this divine self in us, wise mind. So one way for you and I to more explicitly as we're talking through this understanding to work through these attachment styles into more of a secure attachment is to remember the big S, but also I think you're maybe pointing towards going back to the vision and purpose of our relationship, why we're together and leaning back into that and the bigger we of us that we're so committed to. I think that's so true. And it's such a missing piece, which I love that you keep standing for, which is what are we up to as a couple? Mm -hmm. Not many couples are asking that question. It is such a resource to come back to that. And I, when I'm triggered, I completely and totally forget that for, (laughs) you know, some amount of time. It could be half a second or, you know, half a day, depending on how serious I'm out to launch. Right. Well, I feel grateful that it's, you know, that's the spectrum. It's not more like two weeks to 200 years. So it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It's harder when, when triggered to remember that. And so thank you for bringing that forward. Okay, we want to share with you a couple of statements that if they resonate, you may be a wave. And this is again from Stan Tatkin's wonderful book, Wired for Love. I often feel as though I'm giving and giving and not getting anything back. Mm-hmm. Good one. My partner tends to be rather selfish and self-centered. <laughs> so the person who resonates with this is is the wave. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thrive on talking to and interacting with others. Interesting. That's definitely you. I think that's you. That, that statement right there. I think. Yeah. Okay. And there are a few others in there, but those are the, the ones that jump out at me. Let's talk about, as we start to wind down here, this episode, let's talk about where the healing goes, sort of trajectory of getting to where we have less emotional charge in our relationships and we have more enjoyment of the wonderful opportunity of partnership. Which would be going towards the secure attachment, which Stan Tatkin calls anchor. Right, the anchor. So the statement of the anchor is two can be better than one. Yeah, that's like (laughs) we can do more than I can. It is. I love that. It's a lot like that. Mm -hmm. So if you are interested in checking out Stan's book, we highly recommend it. The one we're referring to is called Wired for Love. We'll put it in the show notes. And yeah, I think there's a lot of benefit to figuring out what your attachment style is, what your partner's attachment style is, and going more towards two can do better than one. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If this show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast on the Art of We.